My name is Lex Dad, and I'm a local Darug man. We share country up here in the Blue Mountains with the Gundangara people. I'd like to pay respects to our elders, both past and present. I'd like to pay respects to our young people who are our emerging elders. I'd like to pay respects to Pemawiyunga, Mother Earth, and Father Sky, Biami. And I say in our link, local Darug language, Warami Mirega Darug Nyura. Welcome, friends, to Darug country and Yanana Budrigumara. May we all walk with good spirit, with patience, humility, and respect for one another. Didgeridgora, and thank you. Listening to Paperback Writer with Zach and no Catherine here today. Um, but instead of Catherine, we have uh, Melissa Chambers with us. Melissa, how are you? Good, thanks, Zach. Thank you so much for being here. Um, now, we uh, just spent the last hour talking to Barbara Lapani, who I know you know um, personally for a few different reasons. But um, one of the things we've been talking to Barbara about was uh, her Regenesis project. Um, what that means uh, to her and how it relates on a practical level. Um, for our bookshop, on a practical level, that related to putting together a an anthology of local Blue Mountains writers and poets and um, artists. Uh, so we held a competition a few months ago. Um, we uh, had a winner for each of those three categories, so best short story, best poem, and best artwork. And you were the winner of the artwork section. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so your artwork, let's just talk a little bit about that first of all. Um, so it's called Artifact Being. Yes. Um, now, I know we're on radio, so it's, <laughs> unfortunately we can't show what the image looks like. But can you give us a little bit of a description of the painting? Uh, the painting is a landscape with an overlaid or... Um, uh, an overlaid image of a meditating mm-hmm. figure. Yep. So my inspiration for the location uh, is a Cambodian temple site yep. um, in Angkor Wat, um, specifically at the temple called Priya Khan. Okay. And it's one of the archways uh, there, uh, which is, so it might be familiar to people, mm-hmm. uh, but overlaying the imagery of a meditating figure. So I'm always interested in the interplay and sort of surrealist nature where an image can look like more than one thing potentially. Yeah. Um, well, you very much achieved it with this image, that's for sure. Well, yeah, well, that's good because I was wondering, you know, how it was going to come across and yep. if it was going to play right. Um, so, yeah, and being an ancient site of about 950 or 70 years old, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Um, yeah, really played into my thought of regeneration and the impacts humans have on the land and the fact that humans come and go. But mm-hmm. everything that we leave behind, including temples, buildings, anything that humans choose to put on the land remains. Yeah. And so these ruins, whilst quite beautiful, are still here a thousand years later. So have you been to those ruins? I yourself? haven't, no. Yeah. Uh, the actual imagery 
of the concept came to me in a meditation in an art course that I was doing. Oh, wow. And when I started Googling and researching, I consistently kept coming up with these Cambodian temples <laughs> yeah. as, you you know, uh, the lovely uh, images of trees growing over temple ruins and those mm. types of things. And it kept consistently popping up with these Cambodian references. Yeah. So that's... I would like to travel there one day, but <laughs> yeah, one thing at a time. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. um, and a little bit about the piece itself. Mm. Um, how long did it take? What, what was the, it, the medium? What did you use to paint? Uh, it was acrylic paints okay. in uh, a technique uh, which is a uh, – you can do it in either oils or uh, acrylics. Yep. Um, and it's called the Misch technique, which I think originated in Austria or Germany or somewhere like that. The Misch technique. Misch technique. Okay. Um, and uh, it was part of a course that I was doing. I think it ran for about six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of yeah, participating in that and sort of building up um, yeah, the layers then each week for the final painting. So, um, yeah, over a couple of months that I sort of did that leisurely. So, um, yeah, I would consider myself a hobby artist, <laughs> uh, but interested in many different uh, mediums. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the technique itself, though, is paint, uh, painting sort of optical greys or layers of white mm. with then washes of colour. So to create a sort of transparency mm. to the to the layers below yeah. in the paint. So it's yeah, many layers of paint. Yeah. No, look, mm. it's um, a beautiful piece. And we actually have the original in the bookshop at the moment. Um, yeah. Melissa's very uh, generously allowed us to um, have it on display there. So if anyone wants to come and see the piece in... Um, in real life and have a look at it. Highly, highly recommend it. It's beautiful. Um, so you can pop into the bookshop and have a look. Um, so what are some of these other uh, mediums that you're involved with other than painting? Well, I really do have a, uh, a passion for mosaic. It's oh, not wow. something that that's something that you really need to sort of dedicate some time to getting <laughs> all of the equipment out and ready yeah. um, and having a space dedicated to uh, working with mosaic uh, and smalty um, glass um, and yeah, even transparent glass. That yeah, I've, um, I've found it very interesting to like a stained glass window to work with mosaic tiles directly onto a glass frame so that the sunlight can shine through it. Wow. Okay. But rather than using grout or anything, using um, a silicon or the like, you know, something of a clear nature to sort of set it in. Yeah, wow. Hmm. Um, how, that, that sounds like quite a challenge to me. Yeah, well, yeah, it was uh, just something that I dreamed up that I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted to have a clear background so that I could see through it. And yeah. so, yeah, a bit of experimentation is always... And yeah. how long have you been doing that for? Well, that's probably, uh, yeah, more of a thing in... Oh, wow, I'd have to say 15 years. Oh, but, wow. yeah, it's few and far between that it, mosaics actually, yeah, come out and get used. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, do you have a background in art? I mean, is it something... No, it's something that I've always been passionate about. Yep. Um, it's one of those things that when you're at school, uh, you, I was told that I had a talent for, but when it came to choosing those elective subjects and mm-hmm. moving on, you know, to choosing career choices, yep. it's the sort of thing where I just like, oh, well, perhaps I should do sciences and economics and things yep. like that of a practical nature, whereas I'm a, at a point in my life now where... It's. I've just got to express this stuff. I've, you know, I've, I've spent my time, you know, doing a lot of the business side and yeah. accounting and computer systems and all those practical things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, 
up once it's time to shine now, I think. Yep, definitely. And mm. you can't really stop it when it wants to come out. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's not it's, good for you if you do try. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, look, I, I completely understand that. I've, I've come at that from a similar kind of background, having done economics at uni and working in the finance industry and then kind of realising this isn't really for me and I need to have a, a more of a creative outlet, um, which has kind of eventually led to the bookshop and writing mm. and you know hosting a radio show awesome <laughs> about writing um which has been good yeah um so you live in the blue mountains don't i you? do i've lived in the lower blue mountains for all of my memorable life um yep. yeah so uh yeah between uh, yellow rock blackson and falconbridge so um yes and what do you what do you how do you feel about the um uh the uh, artistic culture of that part of the mountains because when when i think about um, art in the Blue Mountains, I pretty much uh, invariably think about the Upper Mountains. And about Katoomba and Blackheath and those kind of places. Occasionally Springwood, maybe, for that kind of thing. But I don't really, my mind doesn't really go to the Lower Mountains much. I tend to feel the same. Yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, I, it, when it comes to sort of the cultural nature of the Blue Mountains, mm-hmm. I am instantly, I think of the sort of uh, older buildings and architecture and things going on in the Upper Mountains. Um, but I'm hoping that I might be able to represent the Lower Mountains in some way. Yeah. Uh, but you, I've been to exhibitions and things at, uh, yeah, at Springwood and yep. the Cultural Centre being there as well. Um, and I've recently joined... Uh, BM Can, uh, Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network, uh, as a result of this uh, <laughs> Regenesis collection. Uh, that was sort of a, an introduction to people and places and things that you've facilitated. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping that I am able to actually work on some projects then uh, in the lower mountains and get involved in exhibitions and just networking in general. Have you have you done much in the way of exhibitions so far of any of your artists? No, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. So I'm looking. I'm willing to explore that. But uh, I think learning the ropes first and getting yeah. involved in what's involved in hanging and putting in uh, the applications and you know doing all the doing all the hard yards <laughs> and then um, yeah. yeah and then see what else yeah can be achieved. Well, I think being involved with BMCAN is a very good way to uh, make some of those contacts in the artistic community and mm. to. Um, to see what other people are doing is some really inspirational stuff out there um, and yeah I, I definitely uh, would like to see uh, more of that artistic culture uh, really blooming in the lower mountains as well um, you know, we're, we're trying to do our part in the mid mountains in Hazelbrook with the bookshop yes. and uh, you know being part of Naughty Studios as well which has a fantastic community of artists just inside that co-working space too um, and I know Barbara um, would definitely uh, support the idea that the arts are critical to the way that we approach um, the, the the future and the way we try to build a better society for everybody. So, um, yeah, anything you can do to be supporting us in the Lower Mountains, I think, is a good thing. Welcome back to Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. You're listening to Zach on Paperback Writer. So uh, we've still got Melissa Chambers here with us. Um, so we've been having a chat to Melissa about the Regenesis project, the artwork that she's been doing, um, you know, painting and uh, mosaics as well. Those mo- mosaics sound fascinating. I'd like to, to see some of those. Um, but um, one of the things, um, you also uh, submitted a poem for the Regenesis competition that we did 
Um, and that was actually selected for the shortlist as well. It uh, was. Of, of the competition. Um, so there you go, a, a, a person of many talents. Um, and what was the poem called again? Uh, the poem's titled Lungs of the Land. Lungs of the Land. Okay, well, that yeah. sounds kind of relevant to what we're talking about as well, I think. Yes. So um, if you're uh, interested, we'd love to hear you read out the poem. Oh, certainly. Uh, so, yeah, I titled it Lungs of the Land. Enough agriculture via degradation, fire, flood and mass devastation. Chemicals kill galaxies beneath our feet. Wonder why our food is void and deplete. Question the value of seeds sowed. Dead dirt wash away and erode. Time has come for us to remember. Passion for life, igniting that ember. Mother Earth by nature nurtures, bringing regenerative practice researchers. Forests are the lungs of the land, cleansing air, water and deposit the sand. Organic matter nourish the soil. Underground communities, microbes toil. Relationships create Earth's sponges. Sequestration of carbon, it plunges. Resilient she is, but needs us now to slow down and relearn how. What desires sit deep in your heart? Loved ones, passions, your art? Your actions of now into future millennia, do they support generations of many? Mother Nature will eventually win, the real question being the team you are in. I love those last two lines in particular. I always, um, whenever I read those last two lines, it just makes me want to read those out to some of the presenters on Sky News. Uh, right, <laughs> who, yes. Who's still keen to deny that climate change seems to be even happening, let alone causing um, the devastation that it is. Um, the real question being the team you're in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing based on your poem, I know which team you're, uh, you're <laughs> in. Um, so, I mean, this uh, Lungs of the Land, I mean, it... it and I, I guess one of the reasons this was selected for the shortlist too was it really um, hit the, the key uh, of the regenesis idea. Um, how, or what we, did you write this poem particularly for I, that basis? I wrote it in conjunction with the painting that I did. Yep, yep. It was sort of meant to sort of accompany sort of side by side. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's got their uh, own interpretation. You yep. know, picture paints a thousand words, yep. but you, that's open to, open to interpretation and, and meaning those thousand words can be different to yep. everybody that views, you know, any type of uh, visual art. Um, whereas the things that were really playing on my mind, I wanted to sort of uh, put that down in words somehow as well yep. uh, as a, an accompaniment yeah, <laughs> to nice. what it means to me in a way. Um, and it very well all fit the, you know, what regenesis means to me and uh, my understanding of uh, the need for regenerative, regenerative uh, agriculture yep. uh, and working with nature, not against it. So we, what, what does that mean to you in particular, the, the idea of regenerative agriculture? Regenerative agriculture, so along the lines of organic and working with the patterns of nature and the cycles of nature and uh, what's local to your area. Yep. Uh, the fact that you mentioned that it's a, uh, a cool 17 degrees here. Um, I'm lucky to only live half an hour away and 
it's uh, it was 26 when I left yep. home. So it was just like, wow, yep. aren't we lucky to have such a uh, diverse range in climate where we live? Yep. And it, it's, it, it brings me back to the ability to be able to share, to grow and share produce locally. It's just like whilst I might be able to grow bananas at my house, you know, my friends up the top of the mountains yep. might be uh, inundated with apples at yep. particular times <laughs> of the year. So... Um, uh, yet that regenerative being, you know, all life is based on regeneration. Mm. But so much of our current day agriculture systems is not <laughs> based in, in, in life as its basis, but rather uh, a lot of fossil fuels and packaging and food miles and all of those things, um, which are dead ends. It's, you yeah. know, and a lot of waste where it's just like... Nature doesn't have such a thing as waste. Yep. It's all recycled. Yeah, true. Uh, so, um, you know, and living soils is so important. Yeah. Um, uh, the more chemicals that are piled into soils, the less responsive they come. So after mm-hmm. 50 years of what happens to land after chemical farming of monocropping um, is re- results in uh, topsoils eroding uh, and washing away. Yep. Um, and you know the floodings and flooding and fires and everything that we were seeing recently, which, which also um, cycles through to the economy as well. Even just from a Absolutely. financial point of view, yeah. um, you might be getting some short-term gains now, but you're going to generate a lot, a lot of long-term pain yeah. um, in the future. So, uh, and you know, one of the things I quite often think about when it comes to uh, renewable energy mm. in a place like Australia, that Australia has the potential to be a, a, a powerhouse of renewable energy, not just in order to reduce emissions uh, and to, you know, to fight against climate change, but also to generate wealth for people in Australia and the like. Um, And that's something that just seems to kind of get missed a bit by Mm. um, people who are obsessed with greenies and lefties and that kind of thing. They don't really, they're they're thinking about the costs of taking action now, but just seem to ignore Mm. what the costs are going to be in the long term. Oh, it's been my question that's been underpinning just about every thought every day Mm. is to what end, like at what cost, like for everything, for for the food that you buy, for the decisions that you make, at what cost has it come to you? What is the cost to humanity, to the resources, to the, the people around you, people on the other side of the world, wherever it may, you know, wherever the source of food is. It's one of the, I think food, I keep coming back to food because it Mm. is an everyday decision and um, it's something that we all need to do and something that we all can make choices about, you know, understanding where your food comes from and how it's sourced and if those ethics fit, you know, with your moral compass, Mm. um, it's something that we, you know, we need to think about. Yep. Um, might be a little bit of a curveball here, but uh, do you think that artists and poets and writers uh, they can make a contribution to absolutely teaching people it's, about these things? Um, I was actually at uh, the workshop with uh, Janelle Randall Court and um, uh, Barbara Lapani yep. and uh, Liz Bastian recently. And Barbara Lapani gets around. Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. She's yes. Yeah, she she absolutely does. She's a networker. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and in, during Liz's presentation, um, she actually showed some advertisements from the 1960s, I think it was, or okay. 50s, okay. about Glad Wrap. 
<laughs> and how the artist's images to sell these items, it, all, all marketing is a form of art. Yep. And it, it really became quite apparent to me during that presentation. It's just like, oh, the fact that she presented the idea of the same artistic storytelling that was used to sell us these things, we can use to turn the tables and get back to nature. And so I thought that was really quite relevant. When you see how quickly things changed, you know, between the 50s and now, or 60s and now, um, we can change it back again. It just needs the same type of thought applied to it or hopefully even some more ancient sort of teachings and thoughts as well. Really working with the land rather than just where's our next meal coming from yeah sure Mm. um so do you have any advice for people who it it might be in the creative arts and want to um you know if we this regenesis competition is something that uh hopefully we will be able to do on a a, an annual basis um with winter magic festival that's something we're, we're working on um do you have any advice for people who might think about entering a competition like this um, yeah, creating th- art for the basis of a concept like Regenesis? I think it's, yeah, whatever you find yourself passionate about, actually expressing that is just so important, regardless of the, of the medium or uh, how it might come across. But the collaboration and ability to have your message heard um, no matter how small the audience, mm. there's always – that's something I really liked about the Rosie Ravelston Regenesis project was the collaborative nature of it, to actually have a, a, a collection, mm. an anthology of uh, entrants um, rather than it being entirely focused on being a competition. Yeah, it, sure. it had that nature of collaboration to it and mm. that made it really exciting to be a part of whereas I think sometimes things are viewed as being competition, mm-hmm. sort of instantly puts a skew and the potential to maybe down-talk your own passion or ability, yeah. Yeah. whereas it's just like everybody has something to share. Yeah. Everybody has things that they're passionate about and ways of expressing. Uh, so I think it's really important that you're collaborating and bringing your ideas to the table and to the people around you uh, and forming communities is really an important part of that yeah, yeah. so sure. i really liked the um, the focus on on the on the outcome of you know sort of shortlisting something to share yep yeah, yeah. definitely and i can i can <laughs> tell you for a fact uh that the judges and i'm pretty sure this applies to judges of any sort of uh artistic endeavors anyway it's very hard to judge the winners of a competition mm. based on an artistic endeavor. Absolutely. Whether it's writing or um, painting or, or poetry or whatever, because mm. there's merit to pretty much anything that gets created to some extent. Um, you know, some things are more relevant to the theme than others, but to actually get a bunch of amazing entries and sit down and say, well, objectively this one is better than another one yes i know that's, that's incredibly that's, hard yeah do. recognizing the validity of all of the entries yeah. i think is just yet yeah, part of the process yeah. which um which makes it very enriching yeah, yeah sure um and um just uh, i mean given that we are paperback writer and we're um you know talking about books and mm. um, reading and the like uh, do you have any favorite authors 
that have uh, inspired you that I you will, like reading about? I think one of the things that sort of really got me thinking about uh, planetary health in general uh, was it would have been a good 15 years ago is I read um, a series of Russian books called The Ringing Cedars okay. with the first in the uh, the first book in I think it's a nine book series um, by uh, Vladimir Magrea I believe his name is okay. um, I've, and it's a story about Anastasia she's a woman who lives in the Tayoga forest of Russia and totally at one with nature so yeah. she's a uh, yeah some you know uh, yeah uh, are you talking about like to, to a wild kind of yes creature of the forest yes oh, wow. okay. yes yeah, yeah but a, but a, but a human creature of the yeah. forest and that she's encountered by uh, a uh, uh, what do you call it a a trader that um, goes by a ship up and down the river. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And right. it's it's the story from his perspective in, you know, ordinary modern day world mm-hmm. um, and his encounter with her and these uh, giant ringing cedar trees and the ancient traditions of her family and wow. um, uh, that has sort of been passed down. And so, you know, it's written as if it's real. Yep. Um, and it just resonated with me completely and made me question Pretty much everything. Oh wow! Yeah, that's it's, amazing. Um, yeah, just really thinking about we, everything that we class as modern and civilized. How civilized is it, really? Yeah, yeah. when you break it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, that was the, yeah something that really resonated with me. Um, yeah, sort of way back when. Um, I'm just I can't remember. I'm just trying to think of the author's name. Um, there was a book that came out not long ago called Soil. Um, Matthew something I think Matthew Powers perhaps yeah I think so yeah Um, and uh, it's a book that we had with I I don't know if we've still got it but we did have it in the bookshop Um, we Catherine and I watched an interview that uh, he did with um, I'm having mind blanks here with the the people with Milkwood down in Milkwood um, right yes Uh, and he did an interview with um, them uh, about the nature of soil and yes. I, it, it blew my mind oh, it, just the, to oh wow how much <laughs> how much we don't know yeah. about the microbes in the soil yeah. is astonishing yeah. and the fact that we would willingly pour whatever chemical onto the ground and kill whatever's there when mm-hmm. really it's the microbes within the soil that do the work towards the nutrition in food yep. you know you need yep. living food for nutritious sorry living soil for nutritious food is yep. is the basis of what i've come to learn from uh permaculture teachings uh and the fact that this is not a well-known concept yep. is mind-blowing it is <laughs> really mind-blowing yeah yeah just listening to uh what you know if just if, if you go into your backyard and just dig up a bit of soil mm what's actually in that soil yeah. is just it's a whole universe of its yeah. own like it's just phenomenal uh, and the different types of soil and what works and what doesn't um i also read something uh, about maybe about a month ago um about grass which i um has really s- struck me as interesting um the idea that uh, especially if you have a perfectly manicured lawn mm-hmm. Uh, and you keep it short all the time and there's no weeds or anything like that, you've effectively created a desert. Mm-hmm. So there's actually not really much life that Going can on. exist yeah. on that. Yes. Um, whereas if you allow your grass to actually grow a bit wild and have even 
um, you know, have some flowers there that bees can buzz around or that, yeah. you know, the birds can come and um, potentially find food and that there's a, a whole, a whole um, range of insects and the mm. like. Um, and it kind of just made me rethink the whole idea of just getting out yeah. every couple of weeks and somewhere and mowing the lawn mm-hmm. and getting it as short as possible. Yeah. Um, the idea of maybe actually fostering an environment absolutely for, um you know for for insects and the like to to thrive bees in particular given yeah, we absolutely. know a lot of the issues around um the survival of bees and the like absolutely um, all those pollinators doing doing their job and yeah. having that biodiversity in the garden is yeah. yeah is really crucial because um another thing that they we'd learn in permaculture is uh, the natural succession like in a deserted you know in an actual desert mm. how how life actually builds up and it you know it can start with just a seed or a weed or yep. a bird dropping or whatever it might be and how that gradually moves from a bacterial uh, sort of network through to uh, as things progress and get pollinated and you know come in come the flowers and then the small shrubs and then uh, pioneer plants uh, that are nitrogen fixing to the soil that you know then real things start happening under the soil yeah. um uh and that you move into a more fungal network where trees can grow yeah so yeah i find the whole process just absolutely fascinating yeah wow mm. um we could talk for hours about mm. this i'm sure it's a fascinating topic um mm. but we are running out of time thank you so much thank Melissa you chambers for coming on paperback writer um congratulations again on winning Oh, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Also, yeah, for, for your contributions as well. Um, and like you say, it's, uh, it's been a really good opportunity to, to uh, foster that artistic community in the mountains too. Oh, absolutely. Um, and look- to bring people together and, you know, that's how you've got involved with BMCAN as well. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. Looking you're, forward. you're welcome, Barbara. Um. <laughs> <laughs> look, looking forward to seeing, yeah, what comes of um, you're getting more involved. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Zach.